three, two, one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 20s and 20 podcast, where we cover everything you need to know about your 20s in only 20 minutes. I'm Mallory Metz, and this is As Good As It Gets. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of 20s and 20. I'm Mallory Metz, and today I'm so excited. We're here to kick off the middle of January with Elise Fulmore. Hello. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you on. I'm really excited for today's topic. But before we dive in, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're living, what are you doing? My name's Elise, and I'm 25, almost 26, and I am a life coach with a focus on career and money coaching. I currently live in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada, and I spend most of my time right now working on my business. But when I'm not doing that, I love getting outside. I love hiking, trying out craft beers and going to coffee shops and just exploring the city and the area around me, obviously, as COVID permits. (laughs) I think you may be my first international guest. So welcome from Canada. But really diving into today, I want to ask some questions about being a millennial money coach. So how did you get into being a money coach? It's kind of a weird roundabout story. But essentially, I was very much raised of get good grades in high school, get into a good university, get a good job with the pension and the benefits and all of that stuff. So that was kind of the path that was laid out for me. So that's exactly what I did. I got into the good school, you know, I got great grades in university. And I thought I was going to be a physiotherapist. I realized about partway through my degree that it really wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. And I felt lost and just confused on what I was supposed to do. And all my friends seemed to have it figured out. Like everyone around me seemed to know what they were doing, which in retrospect, I realized nobody knows what they're doing. But I just felt like okay, I need to figure this out. What am I going to do with my life? So I really dove into personal development and just listening to a lot of podcasts, into workshops, joining a lot of entrepreneurial groups in the city that I was in. And I discovered the world of life coaching. And I realized that this was something that I could really do. I've always been the person that other people come to advice. I've always been very well-rounded in my knowledge. I'm very curious. I love learning new things. And yeah, so that's kind of like my introduction to life coaching. And then I started out just general life coaching. So talking a lot about goals and figuring out your purpose, basically helping fill the gap that I felt there was when I was in university, because a lot of the career counselors and people like that at my university were all my parents' age, and I felt they couldn't really relate to the way that I was feeling. So I kind of went to fill that gap initially. And then over the pandemic, my business really expanded and blew up. And I had a little bit of money content in my original life coaching, but not too much. And then people just were asking for it over and over again. And the pandemic caused a lot of people to lose their jobs or to have difficult financial situations. And so it just really came at an opportune time. And that's kind of what just naturally progressed my business to more of a focus on career and money coaching. I think that's amazing. Like you said, finances are more important and more strained than ever. What are some of the biggest issues you see young millennials struggling with in their finances? One of the biggest things is just general lack of knowledge on how to organize their money or how to 
approach their money and being really unsure of where to start. It's not something that we're taught in school and a lot of millennials were not taught by their parents. And I also do think in general that most millennials were raised by boomers and boomers are not really equipped to give the financial knowledge that is actually applicable to millennials now because we've seen so many changes in the economy and society and advice that was applicable for them is no longer applicable for millennials. So I think that's a big issue is just a lot of misinformation being spread around. Other big issues are money mindset and the way that millennials view money. So guilt and shame around their debt, around spending money, and even maybe like negative mindsets towards people that have a lot of money. And then the last one I would say that is a big one as well is just like emotional or impulse spending, which a lot of times can be caused by mental health, but there's a lot of other obviously factors that can contribute to that. And I see this very commonly with all my clients. And a big thing is having this issue, but then never actually addressing the root of the problem. So maybe they'll do things like having a no spend month or, you know, freezing their credit card or like going to extreme measures, but not actually addressing what is causing the impulse or emotional spending. And it's one of those things that will continue to happen throughout your life if you're not addressing the actual problem. So I would say those are like three big things that I commonly see with millennials and their finances. To take this one step further, I want to ask you some questions around finances and saving money and some of these things that we see millennials struggling with. So the first one is how can I save money if I have debt? Is that even possible? You know, people are always hesitant to put money towards savings when they should be paying off debt. What are your thoughts on this? My thoughts are it's definitely possible. And short answer is yes, you can save money and pay off debt at the same time. It's more complicated than that. (laughs) The first thing you want to figure out is what kind of debt you have. So is it high interest debt, such as a credit card? So high interest is typically anything above 10% interest rate, or is it a lower interest like a student loan that could be 5% or lower? So figuring out what types of debt that you have is definitely the most important thing at first. When you have high interest debt, that's something that I would say in most cases, you would want to pay off first, and then you can start saving money while paying off your low interest debt. Because if you look at the numbers, high interest debt is you're getting charged 20% interest. Whereas if you have money sitting in even a high interest savings account, you're maybe earning 1.5% interest. By putting that money away in saving, you're losing so much more in charged interest on the credit card, if that makes sense. (laughs) No, that does Uh, make sense. Yeah. yeah. To take a step back, I think I would say to anyone is making sure that you have an emergency fund built up first. Even if you have no debt, that should be your number one focus. And that's one of those things when I say that should be your only focus. So you continue to pay your minimum payments, of course, like don't default on your minimum credit card payments, but focus on building an emergency fund, which is a form of savings, build that up first, and then tackle your high interest debt. Once that's paid off, then you can simultaneously save and pay off low interest debt. Your emergency fund is basically acting as a safety net to prevent you from going into more debt. So you were to just focus on your high interest debt and you're paying that down, but then you had something unexpected come up, like your cat has to go to the vet or 
your car breaks down or a pandemic hits and you get laid off, then you end up needing money quickly, which will probably go on your credit card and you'll end up in more debt. Whereas the emergency fund is that security net that is preventing that so that even if something unexpected comes up, your debt is staying at the same point and you're just draining your emergency fund, but you're not actually going into more debt. I think the way you framed that up was actually really great. That also goes hand in hand with this next question, which is really just around credit card debt. What can people be doing to help pay down this credit card debt? What are some of your tips and tricks? First thing I would do is call your credit card company and try and negotiate a lower interest rate. A lot of companies are being flexible with this right now, especially due to the pandemic. So it's worth a shot. The worst that happens is they say no. But if you can get a lower interest rate, at least that's somewhat pumping the brakes on the interest that you're currently being charged. Then a couple things, if you feel like you are not too deep in it and that you're still able to, I would say just get really clear on when you want to pay off that debt. You can type into Google debt calculator. This little calculator will come up. You can put in your debt and what your interest rate is and your goal timeline of paying it off. And it will tell you how much you need to pay per month. Set that goal for yourself and have that as an auto withdrawal from your account to your credit card so that you don't even have to think about it. If you're feeling like you're drowning and there's no way that you're going to be able to get out of it, you can look into getting a different type of debt that has a lower interest rate. For example, maybe getting a personal loan from a bank with an interest rate of maybe 7%, and then you pay off your credit card that has that 20% interest rate. And then your only debt that you're left with is that personal loan. But because the interest rate is so much lower, you end up saving a lot of money over time. But I will say with these options, you just want to be very clear on what the terms of the loan are. So how long you have to pay it off, what the payoff schedule looks like, what the interest rate is, of course, and if that actually makes sense and is cheaper over time than the credit card. You know, nobody should have credit card debt or you should strive not to have credit card debt. So really, how do you suggest people start to build a budget? And then why is it so hard to stick to that budget that you've set? Great question. So I want to start with why it's hard to stick to a budget. I think that a lot of people struggle because they're unrealistic with the numbers that they're putting in their budget. Also that they're not addressing the underlying behavior issues, like I mentioned before. So they're trying to reduce spending in areas maybe that they're overspending, but they're not understanding why they're overspending in those areas. So like I said, the issue will just keep coming up. I think that you can have all of the budgeting tools in the world, but if you don't address your mindset towards money, and if you have a negative mindset around money, the budget's not going to do very much for you. And lastly, choosing a budget system that doesn't work for them. An example would be following, say, a zero-based budget, which means every single dollar you get in has a home and is assigned somewhere. So maybe choosing that budget system when you personally are someone who doesn't like a lot of structure. So that's an example of that budget wouldn't really work for you because it's just not the way that your brain works and the way that you typically like to run your life. That being said, if you're looking to start a budget, first thing I always recommend is doing a financial audit of your life and your finances. <laughs> so write down all of your bills, everything you have to pay every month, all of those fixed expenses like rent, utilities, phone bill, subscriptions, and how much those are, what day of the month they come out, all the details about that, writing down all of your debt and 
what the interest rate is on those, the minimum payments. So basically bringing awareness to exactly where your finances are sitting at, which I know in itself is a hard task to do for a lot of people because you may be in this place right now where you're just ignoring your bank account altogether, but it's impossible to create a budget that's going to help your situation if you're not aware of your situation. That's the first part. And then the second thing I recommend is tracking your spending for a month to get a good idea of where your money is currently going. And I do think it works better if you do it actively, as in you start doing it moving forward from here. But you can also do it retroactively and look back at your bank statements for the past month and see where all of your money went and actually track that out. So how much money did you spend on eating out? How much money did you spend on alcohol? How much money did you spend on clothes? How much money did you spend on groceries? Like all of that so that you have a really good picture because that way we can use realistic numbers when you go and make your budget. To sort of build off this in another way, for someone who may just be entering the real world and is not totally sure of credit and what that means, what are some tips for building some credit? And then what are some cautionaries you have around what can hurt your credit? When it comes to building credit, the two biggest things that both help build your credit and hurt your credit are payment history and your credit utilization ratio. So payment history is exactly what it sounds like, how you've made payments in the past. So this is any late payments or missed payments will affect your credit in a negative way. And anytime that you pay a bill completely and on the date that it's do that will be good for your credit and will build your credit. One thing that people don't realize is that other companies other than your bank are reporting your payment history. So for example, your phone bill, if you have missed payments on your phone bill, or paid late, that company can record that to your credit. So you can get a ding on your credit from other companies other than just your credit card. So that's something to be aware of. I recommend as long as you're not having credit card debt right now, if you feel comfortable with using your credit card, I recommend putting a couple of bills a month on your credit card so that they're automated and you know that you're using your credit card every month and then paying it off in full each month. So not letting the balance carry over to the next month. That's going to help build your credit. And then the second thing is the credit utilization ratio. So this is the percentage of the credit that you have available that you're actually using. So if you had a credit card with a limit of $1,000 and you've spent $300 of that credit card, your utilization ratio would be at 30%. So a good rule of thumb is to aim to keep your credit utilization ratio below 30%. Right now, if your ratio is higher than that, then a good goal is just to try and get that down. And being aware of that moving forward is you don't want to be spending, you know, 80% of your credit that you have available because that's going to affect your credit score. And I will say for anyone listening, if you don't currently know what your credit score is, make sure you find out because that's a really important starting point as well. You don't really know if you need to build your credit or not if you don't know what your score is. Totally agree. And that's honestly a great segue into my next question, which is what is the best piece of financial advice that you've ever received or have given out, I guess? So this is a tricky question. The one thing that I thought of from this question is pay yourself first. It's probably the biggest and most influential Mm -hmm. piece of advice that I've received. So after you've paid your bills, money should be going to you before anything else. And by paying yourself, I mean putting money either towards 
debt or savings before you even think about spending a dollar of your paycheck. For this, I definitely recommend setting up an automation where every time you get paid and a paycheck comes into your account, there's an automation where a certain percentage of that is automatically being transferred into a high interest savings account. That was a huge piece of financial advice that was really positive for me and that is really positive for my clients as well, because a lot of millennials operate where you pay your bills and then you spend your money throughout the month. And then if you have extra money at the end of the month, you throw that into savings or you throw that on your credit card to pay off your debt. And we really want to kind of switch that mindset to paying yourself first. So like that should be the focus before spending money on other things. Really, my last question was going to be, what are three things that every millennial should do with their money starting today? I feel like you're going to start with put an emergency fund and pay off high interest debt, but I'll let you answer the question just in case there's something different. Yes, I actually have different answers for this. So number one, open a high yield savings account, which is related because that's where you're going to put your emergency fund. But for those of you listening that might not know what this is, it's not the same as a savings account that you would have in your daily banking. So typically when you open a bank account, you have a checking and savings account. This is different. So typically called either a high interest savings account or a high yield savings account. And this is a savings account that has an interest rate of usually between one to 2%. Whereas the regular savings account in your bank typically has between like 0.05 to like 0.1% maybe. So it's quite low. And then second thing is organize your accounts if you don't have them organized. So if you are currently someone who gets your paycheck into one account, pays your bills out of that same account, does your daily spending out of that same account, there's a problem. (laughs) You need to organize that. And the simplest way to do that is removing your daily spending from that account in some way. So you could either have that on a separate debit card or credit account, something like that, so that the accounts are separate and organized. And then the third thing I would say is cutting out any unnecessary bills or subscriptions that you might have. So going through your monthly expenses and seeing like, okay, do I need to be subscribed to five different online streaming sites or can I just pick two? Because most of you will probably be surprised how many unnecessary things you might be accidentally subscribed (laughs) to that you're paying for every month. And that's an easy way to like instantly save money. And then you can just transfer that money that you are now saving into your emergency fund. (laughs) All great advice in my opinion. But anyways, Elise, I end every episode talking about pet peeves relative to the subject we've been talking about. So today I would love to hear some of your pet peeves you have about being a money coach or just like finance management anything of the sort that you may have an opinion on. So I would love to hear them. First one is the presence of old white men that are dominating the personal finance industry (laughs) and that are truly not taking an intersectional approach at all. So I think it's a very privileged position to be in to not address mental health, to not address race or gender or sexuality or anything like that when it comes to money. That's a bad view of mine. And I'm definitely trying to change that. And we are seeing a lot of changes. There is a lot more people of color and women and queer folks like coming up in the financial industry which is amazing I would say another pet peeve of mine is specifically boomers saying that your daily Starbucks habit is the reason why you know we can't buy a house or we can't do whatever that's a pet peeve of mine because your five dollar Starbucks is not the reason why you can't buy a house (laughs) 
housing prices have gone up astronomically and cannot be compared to when boomers bought a home. I kind of touched on this, but people pushing home buying as the absolute ultimate investment and absolute goal that everyone should be shooting for. I think that buying a home can be a really great investment if you are smart about it and you've done your research. But you also can lose a lot of money from buying a home if you're not really aware of what you're doing. And if you buy too soon without having enough of a down payment or without having, you know, financial security yourself. So I think that it's really pushed on millennials as the thing you should be ultimately working towards. And I think that it's really not. And that for a lot of people, buying a home does not make sense and will never make sense. That's kind of a pet peeve that I see on the internet all the time. (laughs) Totally see that. But anyways, Elise, I feel like we have plenty of great content for today. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. And I hope that everyone listening got a little tidbit of financial knowledge to take with them. If you enjoyed today's podcast, go to our Instagram, follow us, give us a like, give us a shout out, tell your mom, tell your grandma, and leave us a comment. Thanks for joining us.